0: what's up guys welcome back to the walk in your worth online series i'm your host danielle Schaff, and i have the absolute pleasure of bringing on scott LePierre today welcome scott
1: yeah thanks for having me danielle really looking forward to this
0: yeah he is an expert at relationships guys so i cannot wait to bless you with his wisdom around marriage and intimacy with christ This is going to be so good So Scott is a head pastor. He is a leader in his church, in his area. He's an author. He's got a book coming up that you're going to hear about as well, which I'm really excited about. Um, He got his MA at Liberty University. And guys, he's married to Katie and they have nine children. So that's awesome. And we're going to hear a little bit about how he does that and how they make that work. And He pastors in Washington state and they are so at, they're so passionate about homeschooling as well. So she, Katie gets to homeschool. He gets to lead a church and follow his passion and we get to hear from him today. So welcome Scott.
1: Thanks Danielle. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. So let's get into it. So you're a head pastor. You love Jesus. Tell us how are some ways you build intimacy with Christ and why is that a worthy thing to do with our time?
1: yeah well said so uh the Bible uses um relationships or the uh between us and God like he does with earthly relationships. I mean he calls himself a father um and so my point is that the way we would build intimacy within earthly relationships is the same way we would build- uh intimacy in our spiritual relationship with the Lord, you know you spend time with people. You invest time and energy in them, and it's no different in our relationships with Christ. If we want to, if I want to grow in my relationship with my wife or with my children, I spend time with them. I'm interested in what they're interested in. I seek to please them, and it's the same with God. If we if we want to have a strong, vibrant relationship with Christ, then it's expected that we would invest time and energy in that relationship through prayer, through reading the Word, uh, Bible memorization, listening to sermons. You know, worship, going to church, singing—you uh, know, singing Christian songs. So many of the uh, same things that would occur in our earthly relationships horizontally would occur in our vertical relationship with the Lord.
0: Oh, I love I that.
1: Yeah, and your, sec- your second question is as far as why that would be—you know, why that would be valuable—is uh, this this life is temporary. Everything we do in this life is about the the next life, our eternal life. You know, um, we should have a heavenly mindset. We should have an eternal perspective and I'll get a lot of people, um, you know, that are single and they'll ask me about their future and what they're going to do. And I can't tell them, I can't tell people what their job is going to be. I can't tell them they're going to marry, but I can say all of the time and energy that you invest in your relationship with Christ during this season is going to profit you later. I mean, if you're going to be a husband, father, wife, mother, teacher, lawyer, fireman, policeman, whatever God wants you to do all the time and energy, you invest in your relationship with Christ. Now, while you're young, and single or even then later when you're married is going to benefit you no matter what god has you doing there's there's no time you're going to spend in god's word or in prayer that's going to be wasted
0: you know mm. other other things
1: you invest time and energy yes <laughs> other things you invest time and energy in it's not always profitable um but you you can be sure that all the time you spend reading the word and praying is going to have a uh, benefit for you so
0: I love that. If we could, okay. Uh, interview over done. Like that was so <laughs> powerful. I was just telling somebody this the other day, Scott, this relationship with Christ gets to be so intimate, so passionate, so real so that you're able to have your horizontal relationships, passionate and real and mm-hmm. intimate because i I think sometimes it's, it's just so easy sometimes to lose sight of our relationship with Christ simply because we can't, he's not a physical being on earth. And so Mm -hmm. is there anything that you would say to somebody who's like, Oh, I've done all those things, Scott, I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm going to church, I'm in community. And I still, I'm not feeling that intimacy. I'm not feeling that connection. I feel it with my wife or my husband or my friends, but what would you say to them about, about their relationship with Christ in that area?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great question. I think it's totally understandable. I'm, I'm, I guess if I had to think of a uh, title, I would say I'm more of like a producer. I feel I go home and I feel uh, as though I've had a profitable day if I've produced. And I mention that because to make the point that prayer doesn't seem particularly profitable to me, I don't feel Mm. like I'm producing anything. I can't, I can't, this is this feels profitable. I can see you. I believe people are going to tune in and watch and listen, but I can't see God exactly like you're saying. I feel like I'd just be repeating what, what you said um, very well, Daniel. And so many of these truths that are contained in scripture, we have to preach them to ourselves. We have to tell ourselves that these are this is true, whether we feel it or not. We can't go by our feelings. We can't go by our emotions. There are days that we might feel close to God um, not feel close to God. And so we have to tell ourselves that the promises that he's made in his word and choose to believe them. And then Hebrews eleven six six says, it's impossible to please God without faith. And so this is a, this relationship with the Lord is entirely based off faith uh, because we can't, you know, what, what is faith? Faith is the hope, the assurance and the hope of things that we can't see. And so our relation, I mean, Habakkuk two says the just shall live by faith. Mm. And so kind of, we think at times like about, um, you know, people living by faith or walking by faith, like missionaries going to some third world country. You know, I know you said you, you spent some time, I believe you said in Spain. Um, and we kind of think that's what it means to walk by faith, but we're walking by faith every day because we're in a relationship with, with uh, a God that we can't see that we can't know physically on the side of heaven. And so that's what it means to walk by faith is to trust him and believe even when it might, he might seem far, far to us. We have to, we have to choose to believe those promises in the scripture that he's near us, that he's with us, that he does not forsake us, that we have been reconciled to him through his son, Jesus Christ. And that, um, all those promises that are in, in the word are true, even if we don't at that moment, feel, uh, feel them.
0: Yes. Wow. Scott, I literally did a webinar last night about worthy of wealth. And we talked about biblical principles on how to be wealthy from the inside out. Hebrews eleven six was one of the main verses I talked about because it is impossible to please him. And, and if you're listening and if you are a Christian and you want to please God, here is your reminder to have faith. Like we, Scott can't see God as much as I can't see him. And he preaches his word. I preach his word because it is about faith over your feelings. And so I just love that. I love that, Scott. It is a reminder that he is always at work. He's always like when we're in his word, it is not in vain. It is not void. It is always worth our time to build into this relationship first and foremost, and then into Mm -hmm. these other relationships. So thank you for that. I am feeling so encouraged right now, just in my faith, myself, like, thank you, Lord for Mm -hmm. Scott. Thank you, Lord, for faith. It is a gift to even have faith, to be having these conversations even right now. And so would love to transition into talking about our earthly relationships. You're married. How long have you been married for?
1: Uh, 16 years.
0: Crazy. That's amazing. I love that. And so we talked a little bit about roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives. And I know you talk about this in your upcoming book. How important would you say? It is to understand these different roles. And and what would you say some of them are?
1: Yeah, I think they're hugely important because if we desire to serve Christ, uh, it's a stewardship. All of this life is a a stewardship. There's nothing that we necessarily own. Even my children, for example, it's a stewardship. God has entrusted me with with these nine children. He's entrusted me with my wife, Katie. She's his daughter. Um, These are all our money is a stewardship, our time. All these are stewardships. And if if we want to be good stewards, then we need to understand the, the roles that God has called us to and then the responsibilities in, the, in those roles. And so one of the things that's interesting is if you kind of continue that analogy of the, hor- the vertical and the horizontal is we actually fulfill these roles the way we do because of our relationship with Christ. Or here's like another way to say it. Um, I am the husband I am because of my relationship with Christ. I treat my wife, Katie, the way that I do because of my relationship with Christ. I treat my children the way that I do because of my relationship with Christ. And I don't mean that pridefully. What I mean is when I mistreat Katie, that's a reflection of my relationship with Christ. I am not treating her as well as I should because the the vertical, the horizontal has been weak because there's something wrong in the vertical there. And so that's why like, let's say people come in to me, to see me for counseling. Let, let's just say there's this couple having all these problems. The husband's angry. He says, my wife is disrespecting me and the wife is upset. And she says, my husband doesn't love me. And then I start talking to them about their devotional time. I say, what does your time in the word look like? What does your time in prayer look like? And they look at me really confused and, and uh, sort of quizzically like, why are, I just told you my husband mistreats me. I just told you that my wife yells at me. Why are you talking to me about my time in the word? And the reason is that, you are treating each other the way you are uh, all these things are happening horizontally because because of the vertical my suspicion is you're treating your wife this way because there's you're not spending the time in the word that you should and if you if you grow in your relationship with christ then these other relationships tend to have a way of, of fixing themselves out if you're in the workplace and you're finding yourself being being very impatient with people or short. And it's kind of like Mary and Martha. I remember when, you know, Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet and Martha's busy serving. She's not spending time with Christ that she should. And then she gets really angry. She's filled with all this anxiety. She's lashing out at Jesus when he's yep. teaching. She's upset at her sister. Well, that's a reflection of what's happening in her relationship with Jesus. And so I regularly will say that, that, that our marriages or our relationship with our children are reflections of our relationships with Christ and that we treat the people around us the way that we do because of our relationships with Christ.
0: That is so incredibly powerful because it, it brings the responsibility, the word stewardship back on you back on the husband for him and the wife for her. Or, you know, if you're not married, the friend and the friend or the coworker and the coworker, because I love how you said this. God has given each of us something to steward, starting with ourselves starting here and here. And so that is, that is just so powerful. So I actually was just talking with somebody, one of my, um, women that I coach, she's married. And, and the first thing I asked her was, how's your intimacy with Christ? Cause they were talking about a conflict that they had. That was my first question too, because it, it is, that is where the secret sauce is. That is the, that is how you take on responsibility. And this isn't like a, Oh, you know, all the responsibilities on you, shame on you. No, no, no. It's not like that. It's like you, you're Scott, you're holding people high. You're holding us up to the responsibility to take on what God has given us to steward. And so I am just, I I love that. I absolutely love that idea. And if we could just understand that it is our responsibility every day that we wake up to steward what we've been given. And like Mm -hmm. you were, you said, my children are gifts. They're not ultimately mine. My wife is a gift. She's not ultimately mine. They are the Lord's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and that, that's powerful to be reminded of
1: yeah, and that that can be a real paradigm shift for people, like if you apply it financially, for example, as soon as you recognize that your money isn't really your money how much how much easier is it to be generous? how much easier yeah. is it to give it away when you're not really giving away your money you're giving away god's money how much how much better can you use your home for God's glory when you recognize that it's not really your home but it's been entrusted to you, and now you want to be hospitable um yeah. you you've been given a car you 've been given time all of these things as soon as you start seeing that they 're not really given to you for you, but they 're given to you to be used for god 's glory. that can be a real um, paradigm shift for people so
0: it's been a paradigm shift for me and i i 've been single my entire life so far, and it 's even a paradigm shift for me and taking our responsibility in the relationships that I do build because sometimes I will look to other people to meet my needs or to give me give 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 and and Right, and not and and just receive it instead of also like give me, and I receive instead of also giving, so this is going to be a really a really interesting and exciting question that I've had that i I toy around in my mind, like being married right you have you're a man, a husband with your own needs, your wife is a woman with her own needs, right we're different, so how do you where is the line, Scott, of looking to your spouse to meet your needs? to love you versus Christ to meet your needs and to love you? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well said. But yeah, no, that's a great question. And that's something that um, much of the counseling that I do, I am I, I, um, the preaching pastor here, but there's still an amount of counseling I do. And when people come to me, what they're usually talking about fundamentally is someone has let them down. There is someone in their life who has hurt them and has not been everything that they want. And so if we go through life expecting people to satisfy all of our needs, we're going to be disappointed and we're going to experience an amount of hurt and frustration. And that's, that's the same in marriage, too. You know, I love my wife. I think she's wonderful, very thankful for her. Um, she has. But at the same time, she, like I am and like every other person, is a sinner. Uh, we are selfish. We are fallen. We, make, we have weaknesses. We make mistakes. And I can't expect Katie to try to satisfy or be what Christ is supposed to be in my life. And so if, if someone is looking for a fallen, weak, wretched, sinful, selfish person to satisfy, which is really what all of us are, to satisfy what only Christ can satisfy, then that's a train wreck. They're heading for disappointment. But if we can understand that God has given us these people or these relationships, and there's, there's only so much you know, that they can do, then we're not setting ourselves up for disappointment. And we see that really we have to find our satisfaction um, ultimately in our relationship with Christ. And that's the thing, if, if Katie and I are having a conflict or we're fighting or something like that, then um, you know, I need to remember that she isn't the solution to all of my problems and that I can't expect her to be perfect. She's not my savior. She's not wow. the one that has redeemed me. She's not the one who you know, died on a cross for me. And I need to recognize uh, as wonderful and important as she is, she's the second most important relationship in my life, even more important than my children. There's still a relationship that trumps her. And that's, and that's my relationship, um, you know, with my savior.
0: Yeah. But
1: people end up, people experience considerable, uh, disappointment or hurt. A lot of people, single people, I, you know, you shared earlier that you're single. Um, a lot of single people go into marriage and they have, and I was the same way. I thought marriage was going to solve all my problems. Yep. I couldn't wait to get married. Yep. And I, I just was like, as soon as I finally have a wife, my whole life is going to be perfect. And But then you get married, and if you go in with that mindset, you're, you're going to be disappointed because there are difficulties and trials in marriage. There are ways that your spouse is, is going to let you down. There are, uh, Marriage actually teaches you a lot about selflessness and sacrifice. It teaches mm. you to forgive and to be patient. So it's much better for people to go into marriage knowing that there's a lot of blessing associated with it but there's also a a lot of cost and sacrifice and that we can't expect those people to take the place of Christ.
0: Oh, that is so good. Not expecting the people or uh, your wife or your husband to take the place of Christ. That right there is a lesson that I have just began to truly believe. I'm 31 years old, 31 years young. And I, I, also had that belief for a while Scott and going to a bible college and the joke was i made it out single um mm-hmm. because most people got moody bridal institute most of my friends were getting right and and you know i'm so utterly grateful for my singleness and i'm thankful for the woman that i am today and i i am grateful that i don't believe that however it definitely this this mindset has plagued the church and we and i think it comes from just a weak view of Christ ultimately in your life, because Christ is meant to be your all and the one you go to for your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your needs. What you know, there's also a, a, a mindset going around that you get married to be happy. Like Danielle, if he makes you happy, just marry him already. It's that simple, right? So how how do you have a realistic expectation? What would you say is an expectation or the responsibility of your wife in your marriage or of you in your marriage? Cause there is some fun and joy and you get to have sex the way that God intended it to be and, and have levels of intimacy. You know, there's some really great things about marriage, but what would you say? Like, where's this line of like, Ooh, I'm going too far. I'm putting too much on my wife. I need to put that on Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think one we must be familiar with scripture because scripture, um, Encourages us to recognize what marriage really does afford. And I appreciate you just you just mentioned one of those things. There are certain things that are not going to be satisfied through Christ. Obviously, physical intimacy. We talked earlier. We don't have a physical relationship with Christ. And there are things that He wants satisfied or wants us to enjoy on the side of heaven um, through earthly relationships, being a parent. You get to you you get married, and then for most people, they're able to have children. And that's a satisfaction or a blessing that is enjoyed through marriage that, that isn't going to be the same in a relationship with Christ. And so if we have familiarity with the word, then we, we are, someone told me, and I thought it was a really good point one time that expectations shape experiences, expectations, Mm. shape experiences. Most disappointment comes from the wrong expectations. Mm. If If we go into marriage, knowing what to expect and knowing what our spouse can provide or give us then that's going to shape our experience in marriage. And so if people go into marriage, like, like I naively did thinking that this is going to be, you know, the solution to all my problems, um, then that expectation is going to lead to considerable disappointment until we, until that, at least like in my case, I had to grow to recognize that God also wanted to use marriage to sanctify me. He wanted to use marriage to help me grow and become more like Christ. He wanted to use marriage to help me become more patient and gentler. You know, there's a sanctifying influence. Genesis, uh, God created me, you know, everything, uh, each day of creation, it was good. He looks, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. And then he finally says it was not good for once. And that's when he saw man being alone. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so we know that there's something good that a, a wife brings to the, to a husband, my, my parents, many other people told me they, they thought Katie had a very sanctifying influence on me that I, she helped me grow and become, yeah become a better man. Great. yeah. I hope she would say that she feels like I've helped her become, you know, grow and, and be sanctified as a wife. And so there yeah. are wonderful things that, that marriage brings us. But if we go into marriage desiring that we can become more like Christ through it, if we go into marriage, looking for the ways that we can, um, you know, grow, then I think marriage can be the, the wonderful blessing that God wants it to be.
0: Okay. So how can we grow? And how can we, how can we grow? And what was the other one?
1: Uh, be, be, sancti- be sanctified, become more like Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And so one, one of the things I have done, you know, made lots of mistakes. Um, I don't need to list all of them, but I will say just one thing by God's grace that I did prior to getting married was I spent an amount of time reading and studying God's word. I enjoyed it. And so but one one interesting thing is when I got married, I actually found I didn't have. Well, now that I'm a pastor, it's changed. But there was a few years I wasn't a pastor, and I didn't have. And I, but I was married, and I we started to have children, and I did not have the same amount of time to study God's word because First Corinthians seven says that it says if you're single you can commit more of your life to Christ because you don't have some of the same (laughs) responsibility. Exactly. You don't have some of the same responsibilities you do when you're married, because when you're married, you must care about your spouse. When you have children, then you must care about your children, but you can commit a lot of time to Christ, to Christ when you're single. Well, one of the ways that you can grow is to, um, the reason I was saying I didn't study and read the Bible so much uh, after I got married was I was spending a lot of time reading the Bible with Katie. And now that I have a family I don't have the liberty to be quite as selfish. I have to do a lot of family Bible studies. I need to spend time in prayer as a family. I need to bring my children around the word of God. And so one of the things that's very I'm very passionate about is about Christians, not just being Christians Sunday morning by going to church together, but Come being on. Christian Monday, Monday through Saturday. And, yes. and that rests on men's shoulders, fathers and husbands being spiritual leaders. So if any men listen to this, I would say, It is not your wife's responsibility to make sure that your family prays and reads the word together. It is your responsibility because God has called you to be the spiritual leader in your home. If any, if any single women are listening to this, I would say, keep that in mind when you're looking for a husband that you find a man who will read the Bible with his family and will bring his family together. together So many times we'll we'll have these marriage conferences and there's this woman that'll listen to me talk about um, spiritual leadership in the home and how important it is. And she'll she'll be like, just like drooling at the thought of a hus- of her husband doing these things. She just wants her husband to pray and read the Bible. And so she comes up to me in between messages and says to me, and this has happened so many times and it's so tragic, a woman will talk to me and she thinks that in about five minutes, I'm going to be able to solve this problem. And She says, you know, you were talking about the importance of men being spiritual leaders and reading the word with their families. How do I get my husband to do that? Well, what are the chances that in five minutes, I'm going to be able to tell her something that's going to help her be able to go home and suddenly have a husband. That's a spiritual leader when he hasn't been a spiritual leader his whole life. And so I would just say this to the ladies, if you marry a man that isn't very spiritual and he's got his best foot forward before you're married, that means you're seeing the best right now because everyone puts their best foot forward before that. Right?
0: Yes, we do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I have in my dating and do. when I was engaged. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we all do. And so what are the chances that you that this man has been pretty unspiritual through most of his life? But then suddenly you're going to marry him and he's going to become this spiritual giant. You need to find a man that is spiritually mature and is committed to Christ before you marry him. And I would Uh would say, I would say the same to any men that are listening. There was a friend of mine, he's, he's in his thirties and he's not married. And he was talking to me and he said, you know, I'm really, I'm really serious about this girl. I think I'm going to marry her, but I feel like she, um, she kind of makes fun of me a little bit. And I said, "That's that's kind of concerning because if she makes fun of you now, I'm not sure that she's going to respect you very much when you're married." And I said, "Why don't you go talk to her about it and let her know that when she talks to you this way or when she treats you this way, that you feel disrespected or that it embarrasses right. you." Yeah. And he he said, "Well, I'm actually afraid if I talk to her about that, that she's going to make fun of me." And I said, "Brother, you need to get away from her. If you <laughs> right. if you if you're right if, if, if you're afraid that you're going <laughs> to share your heart with her." You're afraid that you're going to be open with her and transparent and she's going to make fun of you for that or belittle you. That's a woman that you do not want to spend the rest of your life with. Because if she's, if she's that disrespectful now, imagine what she's going to be like when the two of you are married. And so I would say that to men too. If you're, if you're dealing with a woman that disrespects you or mocks you, or you share your heart with her and she's condescending or, or you, um, something interesting the other day with Katie I I know this is pr- probably petty. I'm going to sound petty with this. I like to see the caps put back on things. Okay. I, if Katie, I like you know, and I, I told Katie, I said, um, you're trying to do that because I see a lot of stuff around our house without, And she says, I am trying to do it. But what was neat was, I know a lot of women would probably ridicule me for being so petty or wanting to see things done a certain way or have my shirts hung up in my closet a certain way or things like that. But in, in my marriage, and this is the truth, I had never shared something with Katie when she's ever made me feel bad about it. She's never made fun of me. She's never, she's never mocked me, even though I think that they're probably kind of ridiculous things at times, but she's always worked hard to, you know, and she's not, right. Yeah. Tried to respect me. So
0: (laughs) that that's this, see, this is beautiful. This is coming back to expectations and responsibility, right? You come to the table with your expectations and your own responsibility. And so in, in the earlier scenario, it's like, and something I've been learning in my own journey of, of dating and, or not dating and just, just living as a single woman of Christ, you know, I am going to attract what I am giving out. So if I'm, we, we, if I'm giving out, you know, disrespect, I'm going to be probably matched with that. Or if I'm giving Mm -hmm. out love, I'm going to be matched with love. And so in my own dating, I'll just say this really quick. I've had a really interesting past. I've attracted only addicts and um, men who just had a hard time taking responsibility for themselves. And there was at one point a story I used to say when it was all their fault. This man was like this. This man was like that. What about Danielle? And so I, I, I am so grateful that I got to look inward and come to a position of repentance and clarity and responsibility and say, you know what, what does that say about me? And so I've got to look inward and say, you know what, I've been a certain type of way. I used to be really upset really quick. And I used to give conditional love because that is something I've struggled with my whole life. And now I've realized that that's just not the woman I want to be. And I get to decide that I want to be somebody who loves unconditionally, who accepts men for who they are, holy, who accepts my friends for who they are, holy, who accepts, you know, my um, coworkers for who they are, holy, get this for who accepts myself for who I am and my ups and downs. Like Scott, when you said it's petty, I like caps on things. I don't think that's petty at all. And I mean, and if that's what you enjoy and that brings you order and peace in your home and around you. Great then, then your wife gets to be that your children gets to do that. Just like you get to meet your children and your wife in their needs and what they, and their expectations are. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about love for a little bit here. Cause I think, I think this ultimately comes down to how do you, how do you love, how do you accept somebody for who they are, their wants, their needs, their desires, especially when they're different from you. So how, how do you unconditionally love Katie and your kids? Mm -hmm.
1: Good. I just want to say one thing real quick, Daniel. I know yeah. this interview is me, but I really appreciate your humility and sharing all that with your oh, listeners. Yeah. I, hope, I hope they um, notice the significance of your transparency and that you care enough about them to share your own um, journey there and what you've had to learn and grow. I, I was just really yes. impressed with them. Oh um, yeah. I,
0: I, well, actually, Scott, in a, in my last summit, I talked a lot about my broken engagement and my and uh, my broken relationship. So. Thank you for saying that we all got a past. We all have a story to tell and God uses everything I'm, you know, and love. That's why I'm putting this summit on around relationships because you said in the very beginning, we are built for relationships. This is what we were literally made for. And so I wanted to create this and bring amazing people like yourself into this to encourage each other, to inspire one another and challenge one another. Like, are you loving? Are you looking inward? You know, are you, what, what are your expectations like? You know, are, are you taking responsibility? And so I, I would love to talk a little bit about how love is played out in your marriage and with yourself and with your kids, because by golly, I'm sure there's times you're not on the same page and you get upset with one another.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So probably, (laughs) probably the first thing we need to do in this conversation about love is kind of define terms and let's just define love, make sure we understand what it is and isn't because we actually live in a culture that has a completely unbiblical understanding of love. And I'll make it real simple. Love is not a feeling or emotion. Love is a choice. And if people understand that, then they can understand the way the Bible uses the word love. So our cultural view is like you're kind of shot by Cupid's arrow. You fall in love. It's this thing. It's actually the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. The world teaches that you have no control over, over love. You just fall in love and then you can also fall out of love. You know, and that's why people come home one day and they look at their spouse and they say, I don't feel like I love you anymore. Well, that's totally unbiblical because God, God commands love because it is something we have the uh, potential to do or not do. Like if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it's, it's not a bunch of adjectives or feeling words or describing words. It's verbs because it's actions. It's things that we do. Love is patient. It is kind. So that's why we can also love our enemies. Have you ever thought about that before we're commanded to love our enemies? Well, that's kind of bizarre if you think love is a feeling because you don't feel, if you think love is a feeling, you don't feel affection for your enemy. But if you understand that love is a choice, it's something you can do, then you can love your enemy. You can actually choose to be kind and patient to someone that you can't stand. In fact, to love your enemy is to treat someone in such a way that if you can't stand them, they don't even know that you can't stand them because you have chosen to love them. So if a husband ever said, I don't feel like I love my wife, I would say, well, that doesn't really matter be, uh, because God has commanded you to love her regardless of the way that you feel. There's no, if you know, Ephesians 5:25 it says, husbands, love your wives. It doesn't say love your wives. If it's unconditional, it's not, it's Come not conditional. On. So like Ephesians 5:33 it commands wives to respect their husbands. And it doesn't say respect your husband. If, so if a wife came and she said, well, I don't feel like I respect my husband. I would say, I can understand that, and I can understand that he's done things that make it difficult to respect him, that God has commanded you to respect him unconditionally, just like God has commanded your husband to love you unconditionally, and it's, it's kind of a, one of the interesting things with the Greek language or the language of the New Testament is there were multiple words for love. Many people have heard this before. Like, for example, if I say, you know, I love coffee or I love popcorn or I love wrestling or I love my wife. I use the same word, although obviously, hopefully I love my wife differently than I love (laughs) coffee. Right. And even in and even in uh, earthly relationships, I love my children differently than I love my wife. And I love my parents differently than I love my children. So there is agape love, which is the unconditional sacrificial love that loves even when it's not reciprocated. This is the love that God had for sinners who were rejecting him that moved him To sacrifice his son for us while we were still in rebellion and sin against him. And so it's a love that's completely unconditional and sacrificial in nature. And so if you said, I don't feel like loving my wife, well, then when you choose to love your wife, when it's hard to do, that's actually when you're the most like God and people don't really wrap their minds around that. But when you love someone, when it's hard to love them, that's when you're being the most like Christ because Christ loved us and died for us while we were still centered. And so um, what we want is we want to recognize that, that love is something that we are committed to doing that we can choose to do when we don't feel like it. And when we don't, when we don't like it. And so with Katie, you know, we don't um, sometimes I do these, these summits. I I think I told this my second, second one today. And I am afraid people might look at me and think that I have it all together or my, my life is, my life is perfect or my marriage is perfect or family is perfect. And it's, it's not like that at all. Katie have our, we have our conflicts, we have our arguments. And when I'm really upset at Katie, I have to tell myself that God has commanded me to love her and I need to choose to love her even when I don't, when I don't feel like it. And the motivation for that must be what Christ has done for me. And so I can't drop. I can't draw on my relationship with Katie. I can't, can't. because I don't, I'm upset with her. I'm right. angry with her. What my my relationship with Katie at that moment is telling me to get away from her, you know, um, ignore her, walk out of the room, blow her off right. or or worse, yell at her or mistreat her. So I can't draw on my relationship with Christ or with Katie at that moment. I have to draw on my relationship with Christ and I have to say, and it kind of goes back to the vertical again. Yeah. <sighs> And I have to say, okay, this is what Christ has done for me. So right now, Katie does not deserve, um, Katie doesn't deserve my love, but Christ deserves my love. So I'm going to love Katie because Christ deserves it. Well, at the same time, Katie can say, Scott has been sinful and selfish. She's been a jerk to me. He does not deserve my respect and he does not deserve my submission, but who does deserve my submission? Christ does. Christ deserves my submission. And so I will submit to Christ by submitting to my husband. And I will say, I will love Christ by loving my wife. That's the relationship that we have to draw on at that moment when we're really upset with our spouse or when we're upset with our boss or when we're upset with our coworker or when we're upset with our neighbor, we can say, you know what, my coworker, my neighbor, my friend, my, the person in the pew next to me at church, they don't deserve my my love or my attention, but Christ does. And so I'm going to give it to this person because of what Christ has done for me.
0: Boom. That right there <laughs> is the secret to having a remarkable relationship filled with intimacy, joy, and love. That is it. I teared up a little bit when you were speaking because we live in a world where love has been so weakened to the point where we give up so quick and forget that actually in those heat of the moments is when love is needed all the more. And when you, when you show up in those moments and you say, I am going to love you husband, I'm going to respect, or I'm going to respect you husband. I'm going to love you wife. I'm going to, or coworker, friend, person you're dating, put in your person there that you're thinking of right now and ask yourself how can i be a woman or a man of god who loves unconditionally through knowing the love that i have from my father because mm-hmm. that is the only place in the entire world that is going to allow you and give you what you need in that moment and and mm-hmm. how many times do we go to so many other places or things mm-hmm. in these moments and so this is just really building my faith up. I am so incredibly encouraged right now. I hope, I hope you guys are feeling the same way. I hope you're also feeling challenged because I'm asking myself, you know, who, who do, who am I when I show up in these kind of moments? How am I reacting? Where am I looking? Where am I going to feel filled back up again and feel the love feel right feel here? I'm more of a feeler than a thinker, but, but, but the, the, the crazy thing is, is when you and you've experienced this so many times and I have as well, when you go to the Lord and you go to your vertical relationship in those moments and you come out of it and you act in contra to your feelings and you love and you show grace and you, it is the most empowering. Then you have like this crazy empowerment and these, this courage and this strength that came from your weakness that you couldn't get anywhere else.
1: Mm-hmm. right yeah, well said I mean, yeah and that's when we have the greatest opportunity to look like christ or to be it like christ. who who can't look like christ or be like christ to people that are friendly or kind to us or that we're getting along well the real potential to be like christ is to people who are mistreating us or being unloving toward mm. us
0: man I, I i'm just gonna end on this may you guys be men and women who treat one another with the unconditional all-surpassing, all-loving love from the Father. And may you may your relationship with him be grown and through this be able to give. And so in the spirit of giving, Scott is a giver, and he has a gift for you below that can help you grow in, in your strength in your marriage. Tell us real quick about this gift you have below.
1: Yeah, so I've got a, a short read. It's called Seven Biblical insights for healthy, joyful, uh, Christ-centered marriages. It's got some discussion questions if you're married or you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, and even if you're, you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you can still read it and get some I'm insights it. It and yeah, what to look for. So yeah, that's a, that's a free gift to you. I put, I put time and, and prayer into it and energy, and I just hope that it can be a blessing to you. So that's a yeah. free gift for me.
0: Amazing. And there's another, another link below, and this is a way that you can gift Scott and bless him. And in turn, also bless your marriage because he's coming out with a book. Show us it. What's it called? Uh,
1: So uh Harvest House Publishers, the Christian publisher, they uh are publishing my book, Your Marriage God's Way. Here's the here's the book in the accompanying workbook. It's coming out in September. It's available for pre-order right now. It's actually coming out the same day as our as our child is due to be born. And so that's kind of an exciting day for us. Yeah. So that is so so
0: awesome.
1: September 21st, get your copy. And I'll say this, uh, don't write books to make money because you're not gonna make a whole lot of money from writing books. Write books because you have a message you wanna share with others and you wanna help people and you wanna make a difference. Yes. And so because of that, if money's tight and you maybe you can't even you know afford to get this book right now, reach out to me and I'm sure we can figure something out. You can find me through my website, scotlophere.org. You'll probably have a link to it in yep. the show notes. Um, and if money's real tight, I'd still be glad to get you, get you a copy. Uh, and just, yeah, just hope that it would be a blessing to you.
0: So, yes, yes. And this interview has been a blessing. You guys walk in your worth, own your relationship with Christ, be intimate with him. And out of that, be lovers of yourselves and all those around you. So thank you so much for listening and thank you Scott for your time and your expertise.
1: All right, Daniel, thanks for all you're doing. Yep. I
0: appreciate your mechanical brothers. God bless you. Yay. Bye guys.